All right. Good morning, Rich Point. It's good to see you guys again this morning. I'm thankful to be bringing the word this morning. Pastor Clayton asked me, and I am just happy to do it. And I am thankful again to be up here. I'm used to serving on the worship team, if you don't already know that. And let's just give it up one more time for them, because they just do a great job. I'm so thankful to be a part of that team. I'm so thankful for each and every one of them, and the guys in the media, the guys who serve in kids. Like, we just have guys who are just, guys and girls who are just full of servitude in their hearts, who are wanting to see God's kingdom be built on earth, and that is just something to be happy about. Listen, um, again, this message I am so excited for today because we're going to continue on with week two of the Greater Reward Series, and last week, Pastor brought a great message. And listen, maybe you're new to faith, maybe you're new to Ridgepoint, maybe you're new to the church in general, and maybe you... You've had a fire before for Jesus. You know, you've heard that statement. You've been on fire for Jesus. Maybe you're new, or maybe, I'm sorry, maybe you've been doing this a while. Maybe you've been a Christian. Maybe you've been a believer for a while, and the fire that you once had, the fire that you once had has just dwindled, and you're looking, and you're searching for an answer as to why you don't have the same fire that you once did. Why is that? Maybe you just have no idea. Maybe the years of trying have spiritually emotionally, physically just drained you, and you ain't got nothing left to give. You're just trying, you're running this race, and you just don't see any, anything coming to fruition that you're trying to change, and you just keep asking God, why are things not changing in my life? Today, we're going to discuss that, and we're going to discuss why things haven't been changing and what we're going to do to change that in Jesus' mighty name. Listen, if you don't care, will you pray with me real quick? Father God, we love you. We thank you. We're so grateful to be here. We're so thankful that you were here and you're showing up, God. I'm believing and I'm expectant this morning that your presence is going to change lives, whether they're watching online or if they're in this place. Someone is going to hear a word from you today, God. Not my words, but your words, because everything is for you and through you, God. Not my will, but your will be done. And I just pray and I'm expectant that someone's life will be changed forever and that they will have a new and a refreshed outlook on what Jesus is all about. The religion aspect doesn't matter, but the relationship does. And that's what we're hoping for today, God. We're hoping for rekindled relationships with you. And Lord, it's in your name I pray, as the church says, amen. Awesome. Listen, as I said, Clayton brought a message last week that was really, I don't know what the word is, it was empowering because last week we determined that disciplines are what who we become and that choosing what we, mu- we want most over what we want now is key. And it, that is how we will reach our goals, just because of Jesus. Because our willpower is nothing. We can do nothing on our own willpower. It is because of Jesus' power through us. And that is a statement that we have to hold on to because it's his power, not us. We can't do anything. And I'd like to touch on the idea of willpower for just a second. Because I'd like to ask you a question as we get underway. Have you ever asked yourself, and this goes back to what I said a second ago, why you want to change, and you seem to try, try, all you ever do is try. And over and over you try, but the thing that you want to change never happens. Your change never comes. Have you ever been there? You ever asked yourself why you want to change and you can't do it? Because, listen, I know that when I've wanted to change something in my life, and I can't do it. I get upset with myself. And I mean, anyone else? Does anyone else get mad? Let me hear you. Has anyone else ever wanted to change something in your life and you just can't do it? You have no idea why you can't change. It's understandable because just like Clayton mentioned last week with the New Year's resolutions, you know, we plan to make these massive 
and these wonderful changes to our lives, and they start out with good intent. They really do. We want to be better. We want to have a better, whatever it is, we want to be better in our lives. And we, we try, and we're really strong at the beginning. We're really on fire about this change, and it just over time seems to fade out. You know, what was is never what was on the horizon that we thought for ourselves. is just like a distant memory. You know, we try really hard to keep them, and we try to make them a priority in our lives. And whether we're trying to stop something, you know, stop smoking, stop overeating, whatever it is, or we're trying to start something. We're trying to start reading our Bible more. We're trying to get more into our prayer life. We're trying to work out every day. I mean, it's physical, spiritual, whatever it is. We're trying to do that, and then it just becomes an afterthought. And we ask ourselves, what could have been? What could have been? If we had done that thing that we wanted to change, what could have been? And as we ask ourselves why the change never comes in our lives and we work so hard at it, all we ever do is seem to try, we are going to look today at how God Almighty is the only one who can help us bring change, healthy change in our lives. And as Clayton mentioned last week, discipline's choosing what you want most over what you want now. And today we're going to declare that with God's help, we will choose what we want most over what we want now. Amen. Listen, if you guys are following along online, if you're in here, pull up the YouVersion Bible app, and we have all of our notes. You can follow along with there. So I'm going to start out today, if you want to open your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start in verse 24. Now, this is out of the uh, Christian Standard Version. It says, Don't you know that the runners in the stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do, it for, they do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or I box like one beating the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now, you might be asking yourself, what do these verses have to do with trying and making change happen? Michael, what are you talking about today? Well, listen, it's important that we get some backstory and who we understand who Paul's talking about. Because in this scripture, he is talking to the Corinthians, i.e., Corinthians is the book of the Bible that we were reading out of. And he's talking to the people of Corinth. And it's important that we realize this because this text has a lot of metaphors to competition. It's got metaphors because if you know anything about competition and you know anything about Corinth, it was located in Greece, and which is famous. It was famous for hosting a certain sporting event that we've come to learn or we've come to expect every four years. Does anyone have a guess as to what that event is? Not X Games. My wife tried. It's Olympics. Thank you, Pastor. Not the X Games. That was not a thing, babe. I'm sorry. Not a thing. Listen, so they had, the Corinthians also had this localized version of these Olympic Games, and they were called, if I butcher this, I'm sorry, Brian Griffith will give me a um, talk after church, I'm sure, the Isthmian Games, I'm not sure if that's right, but they had their own version of that, Olympic Games, and it was like a localized version of them, and they trained in different competitions, you know, they had wrestling, chariot racing, boxing, and here's my favorite, listen, this just stands out, poetry, reading, creative friends, if you're watching online, there's a place for us among the athletes, that's right creatives. That is right. Poetry reading. Back in ancient Greece. Can you believe it? I love it. You could train in that, and you could have a gold medal in poetry reading. That is, I tell you what, 
that's something to do with your life. But let's look back at a, for a moment at what Paul has to say in verse 24, the second half of it, if you don't care to put that back up. Run in such a way to win the prize. These folks believed in winning. They understood what Paul was saying because they celebrated victory and they understood what the value of winning that competition was. And let me present you another just inspiring historical figure. Um, he coined his own phrase, kind of like Paul's with the run in such a way to win the prize. It's Ricky Bobby. And he famously said, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> Talladega Knots, anybody? I'm, I'm just joking with you. I thought I'd get more of a response out of that. Maybe the second service will get me a better response. I'm just kidding. Obviously, don't go out these doors and say that Pastor Michael, I'm not Pastor Michael, don't say that Michael, out of Richmond Church, better yet, coined the phrase and said that Ricky Bobby was just as inspirational and influential as Paul the Apostle. Do not go out and say that because that will not be good, and I will never get to do this again. <laughs> Honestly, though, like there's an important theme with the message of... Um, Winning, like an idea of winning, training to be your best, giving it your all, how it all connects. And, you know, just like we do in our daily things and our daily tasks and whatnot, we are to give God our best. And that's what Paul's saying here. God deserves our best in everything that we do. And listen, don't rationalize away the joy of honoring God with your best. It doesn't matter if you're on this stage playing, if you teach if you are doing any job, if you're a dentist, a doctor, um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Give it your best because God expects your best. He puts you on this earth to inevitably bring him praise and honor and glory in everything that you do. And if we are a reflection of what Jesus has called us to be, then giving our best will shine that light to the world. If you're going to run, run to win, man. God challenged people all throughout the Bible to do great things and to do things with wholehearted commitment, passion, and diligence. I want to look at a few examples this morning if you don't care. This is out of Genesis. It's out of chapter 1, verse 28. He's talking to Adam and Eve. He says, um, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. You know, he's telling Adam and Eve that while they're on the earth to do something meaningful with their time on it. Have dominion over the land and the sea. Be fruitful. Go out. He literally is pretty much saying, go out and kill something, bring it back, and eat off of it. Like, that's what they had to do, and God challenged them to do that. Another example that I love is Mark chapter 16, verses 15. He says, then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So he's talking to his, uh, his disciples there, and he says, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he's given the great commission to his disciples. He's very clear on what to do. He says, make more disciples, baptize people in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's very clear that he's giving his 12 disciples that are on the earth while he descends into heaven, or ascends into heaven, I'm sorry, while he's ascending into heaven, he's giving them a challenge, what to do and what to carry on in his name. And pastor done this a few weeks back, but I like doing it too. I like looking at what scripture doesn't say. It gives you a little bit more analysis on what the gravity is of what Jesus is saying in different parts of Scripture. It doesn't say this. Adam, Eve, I want you two to sit back and relax. I want you two to sit back and relax. Just wander around lazily. Don't do anything with the grounds I provided you. It's all right. Just take your time. 
don't do anything productive, you know, if you don't feel like doing anything that I've called you to do, don't worry about it. I will work on your time. Disciples, sleep in today. Sleep in, disciples. You know, actually, if you don't want to go out and make more disciples in my name, that's fine, man. Just take your time. I'm working on your time. Don't worry about it. But listen, if you do decide to go out today, you can give a very mediocre, half-hearted effort. You can very half-heartedly tell people that you've seen the glory of the Lord for yourself, but if they want to experience the same glory that you've witnessed firsthand, they're going to have to wait another day. If they want to make disciples and they want to baptize people in my name, they will have to wait on your time because what you do is more important than what I need you to do. It's okay. Just laze around and wait. No big deal. It's fine. Here's another thing he does not say. Child, you know, it's okay if you spend your day wasting on social media. It's okay if you spend the next hour comparing yourself to someone that you're looking at. And even though that I am telling you, and I'm reminding someone today through Jesus Christ's words, I'm reminding someone that even your life has just as much value as the person that you're comparing yourself to. It's okay. You keep doing that. I will wait for you, and I will work on your time. God's telling someone today that, friend, your life has just as much value as what you see on social media and the people that you try to compare it to. Maybe you're a teenager. You're watching online. Maybe you're a young adult. God's not calling you to compare yourself and beat yourself down that way. Get off social media. Don't pay attention to that stuff because God has put just as much value on your life as he has the next person's. He didn't say any of that to his followers back then. He's not telling us that today. In every single thing that we do as followers of Jesus, we do it as unto the Lord. Do not rationalize away the thrill of bringing your best for God. I get so excited to do the work of God because I know it's not for me. It should never be about the one doing the work. It's about the one we're doing the work for. We're glorifying Jesus. We should be so excited to do that. We have a mission. Paul says, run the wind. Michael, I'm running this race. I'm trying. Why am I setting goals that aren't being achieved? Why are the things that I'm wanting to change in my life not happening? Collectively, as a group, why are we not changing things in our lives that we want to change? I'm going to give you a really simple answer. And please don't think this, this is harsh because I'm telling myself this today too and I've told myself this many times over the last few years. You've been trying too long. You've been trying too long. Let's talk that out. We as Christians have adopted the idea of trying into our theology. And our theology, if you don't know what that word means, it's pretty much it's just a study of the nature of God and who he is. But we've, we've adapted the idea of trying as part of our walk of faith. We say that if we try hard enough, maybe I can just get the favor of God on me. Maybe we've, maybe we've done that. And it's not a knock on any of you if you've, we've ever done that. I've done it myself. I've tried to rationalize if I try in this area of my life, then God's going to give me favor and he'll, he'll smile on me today. That's, that's not how that works. Have you ever been there? Am I just talking to myself? Have you ever been there too? I mean, maybe you've tried and you just think that trying is enough to get by. We might not see the end result, but we can go back and say, well, as long as I try, that's good. Maybe we think that if God sees us trying, that, that is just enough. 
And I understand that. I get it. Because we want to try and do things in our life because we care. That's what it boils down to. We care about things that we want to see changing. And we try to change the things that we want to be better at. And we try to, think, try, try to change things that we want to be better in. But, you know, we just we don't do it. We want healthy change to happen. And they start with the best intentions. Listen, man, Michael, I promise I am trying to serve the Lord with all my heart. I really am. But you just don't understand how much time that there is in a day. Listen, I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm trying to be a good mom. I really am. I'm trying to be diligent with my kids and giving them the time that they need. But you just don't get it, man. I have a lot to do in a day. My job stresses me out. When I get home, I just need some, I just need some me time. I just need to put my kids on the back burner sometimes. Certainly there's nothing wrong with that. Listen, I'm trying to be a good spouse. I'm trying to be a good husband to my wife, and I'm trying to be a good wife to my husband. But, Michael, you just don't understand how they are to me sometimes. You just don't get it. I'm trying, and I'm trying. Listen, I'm trying to stop smoking, Michael, but sometimes I just need to cope. I just need to cope with a cigarette. It just helps me relax. It's cool. Maybe it's something as simple as that. Maybe I'm trying to get out of debt. Trying not to do whatever it is. I'm trying to not look at that stuff online that I shouldn't be looking at anymore. And I know it's wrong, but I can't help it because it just happens. And it just happens because the days get hard. And as they get harder, I need to relax. And I need some time by myself. I'm trying to not partake in that gossip at work because it's just so, it's, it's easy for me to get into it. You, under, you don't understand. I'm trying to not do this. I'm trying to not partake in that. I'm trying, I'm trying. Why can't I change? Man, listen, you can't change because I'm here to tell you today, you've been trying too long and you've got to think about changing your strategy. You've got to stop trying and you have to start training. That's where we're at today. We're going to stop trying on the one hand, and we're going to start training. And you might not have a clue how that works, but listen, that's a good news because I am here to help you understand through God how God can bring about change in our lives, how we train, and how we can stop trying and we can start training. It's very important to understand that first off, trying never achieves consistent results. Training does. Training achieves consistent results. And it's for that reason, because when we think about it, training is an entirely different mindset. It's a different attitude. It's a different perspective. And if we compare them, trying tends to be half-hearted attempts, almost like we're setting ourselves up to fail. Because we tell ourselves that if it doesn't happen, ah, at least I tried. I tried. It's good enough for me now. I'll bring a little bit of effort, not all of it. I'll bring a little bit of myself to this task in front of me, but I'm not going to give it my all, and I'll just, I'll just sit back and see what happens. We can just say, we tried. It gives ourselves room to fail, but if we fail, sometimes it's all right. If, even if we didn't intend for it to happen, we can say we tried. But here's the thing. On the other hand, training is wholehearted commitment. We've got trying on the one hand with half-hearted, and we've got training on the other with wholehearted. Wholehearted commitment that is going to achieve a specific goal or a result that is focus-driven, intentional, and it has purpose behind it. Two, or There's three big things that are completely different between trying and training. Trying allows us to say, well, I'm going to show up and hope for the best. But training allows us to say, I have a game plan, a strategy, and I am ready and I'm committed. Here's the biggest difference I can give you guys today. Trying is acts according to our feelings. Training is acts according to our commitment. That's huge. We have to understand that. And there's a reason that in verse 25, Paul says, and this is the New Living Translation version, he says, all athletes are disciplined in their training. 
He doesn't say that they're intent on trying their hardest. He says they're disciplined in their training. Huge difference. And listen, we compare ourselves to the athletes that Paul's talking about because like them, we're doing this to win. And what it boils down to is that we're here with a purpose. And that purpose says that as long as you have breath in your lungs given by a God who sent his only son to take the place on a cross that we deserved, we're going to do our best in everything that we do for the Lord. That's what that says. We're not going to train anymore. We're, gonna, we're not going to try, I'm sorry, we're not going to try to do our best for God Almighty. We're going to train to be everything that God has created us to be. And we're going to give the best that we've got in every situation. We're fighting challenges that the devil throws, in, throws at us day in and day out because what we're doing matters. We're going to keep running this race until Jesus calls us home because we're doing something that matters. We should be training ourselves in the likeness of Jesus so that we can win as many souls to heaven as we can while we have that same breath in our lungs. That's the goal. That's the purpose. That is the purpose, and that's why it matters, because I want to see heaven crowded. I want to see heaven crowded. That's what I want more than anything on this earth, and that's what we as believers want more than anything on this earth, is to see heaven crowded when we get to heaven. We're in training, and we always have been, when it comes to doing the work of the Lord, because we're never going to be finished. We're never going to be perfect in every season of our lives, and that's a big one. I'll talk on that in a second. And we should never be content with our work for the Lord. There's always going to be more to do. There's always going to be more that we can do, and that we should always strive for excellence in doing everything that we can for Jesus. Listen, maybe you're sitting in this place. Maybe you're online. You're saying to yourself, you know, Michael, you're right. I have never been perfect, and I'm, I'm trying, and I manage to mess up daily when I'm doing my best. I'm under my own willpower. I'm trying to give it my all. I'm trying to do everything that I can, and I just, I'm just not perfect, and I'm trying to serve the Lord. How could he possibly even want me? How could he want me to do the work of the kingdom? Let me tell you today, friend, if God only wanted perfect people to do his work, there'd be nobody on this earth to do it. Because we're all imperfect people serving a perfect king. You will never be perfect. You will never have the level of perfection that Jesus had. God's not calling us to perfection. He's calling us to do his work. And he uses imperfect people, everyday people just like me, and all my mistakes. And every mistake that I've made or Pastor Clayton's made or anybody who serves in any capacity at this church has made, he doesn't hold, us against, he doesn't hold those sins against us because that's what grace and mercy is for. Grace and mercy that's new every morning. He gives it to us freely because he took that cross and he died for us. Those sins are not going to be used against us and they're not going to be used to stop us from doing our work for the kingdom. That is what we have to understand this morning. God's going to use your talents and your abilities that he's given you in ways that you can't even fathom. You cannot even fathom how good he's going to use it. And even your mistakes and your mess-ups, he's going to use that in your testimony even if you don't see it. You are called a righteous, just like the song said. You're called a righteous in his name. I'd like to pull up 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, if you can get that on the screen. Mostly just the second half. It says, train yourself to be godly. Paul didn't tell Timothy to try to be more godly. He said, train to be more godly. Simply put, training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do even more tomorrow. Training is doing what I can do today 
you and me, friend, we're doing what we can do today to enable ourselves to do even more greater things tomorrow. Think of it like this. I'm just going to break it down really simple. There's a really good chance that without training ahead of time, if I asked anybody in here, except maybe there might be an athlete in here who's like a marathon guru, if I asked you to run a marathon, you couldn't do it. Right? I mean, let's just simply put, I know, listen, I know if you ask me to run a marathon, I might get half a mile. That's about it. Because I am not fit as much as I should be. But listen, if I gave you months in advance to train to run that same marathon, you know how you would start training? You'd start by walking a mile. Training is doing more today and doing what we can to enable me to do even more tomorrow. You want to grow in your faith and depend on the Spirit, just like Clayton said last week, daily in your walk with Jesus. Chances are you're not going to become a spiritual powerhouse overnight in one sitting at church. But here's what you do. You train yourself. You open your Bible every day. You get on your version app. You start a plan with a friend. Find someone to hold you accountable if it takes that. It's a great, great tool. Hold yourself accountable with a friend. Set aside time to focus on your prayer life each day with wholehearted commitment. I like the way that the New Living Translation puts verses 26 and 27. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training to do what it should. Paul doesn't accidentally say he's running with purpose in every step. It's intentional. He's training. He's got a plan. He knows that even if there is a setback in that day's plans or if there's a mistake made along the way, that what he's training for is not going to crumble in one day and it's not all for nothing because here is a truth that someone in this room needs to hear. A temporary loss does not mean permanent defeat. Your mistakes are not who you are, just like Clayton said last week. If you fail today, it does not mean that you are out of the race for good. And that is something to be thankful for because our Jesus, again, he put those sins on the cross when he took them. That's what God's grace and mercy is all about. We are in training, my friends, so that when we fall or we fail, which is inevitable, because remember, we're imperfect people serving a perfect king. We're going to get back up, and we're going to go right back to it because our identity is found in the Savior and in Christ alone. And just like Clayton mentioned last week, if we know in our hearts and we can stand true that our identity is in Christ and in Him alone, then our training is directly related to becoming more of who we already are and who God says we are. You're the godly parent. You're the godly spouse. You're the godly influence in your school that uplifts rather than tears down. When the crowd's eating alive at some, one of your friends or someone else that you know, you're going to be the one who uplifts rather than tears down. You're not going to be the coworker who gossips, but he's going to pray instead for his peers. You're going to be the godly college student who is a light shining so bright in your fraternity or your sorority. That's what God's training us to be with his help. No more trying to be who we're not. We're training to be who God says we are and be more of who God says we are. No more training. Or no more trying, I'm sorry. No more trying. We're training. We're training. I want to go ahead and invite the worship team back up. Can I hear you say real quick after me, I'm training. training. Say, I'm in training today. If you're online, type that out in the comments. I am in training. Training is not an experiment. It's a devoted commitment that is driven by a deeper why. A deeper why, a deeper reason, a deeper meaning. That deeper meaning is Jesus today. You're not trying to have a better marriage, so you're a great marriage in training. You're not going to be a perfect marriage in one day. You are a great marriage in training, friend, with God's help. 
You're not, a, you're not a godly parent who's trying. I am in training to be a godly parent. You can't try and do it on your own. It's not your own willpower. It's God's willpower who makes you more like him. Apply it to your own life. It doesn't matter what it is. I am going to be a godly student in training, a godly co-worker in training. No more trying. No more of this trying stuff under our own willpower. It's God's power who says that we are in training to be more like him today. That's what it's all about. I'm not trying anymore. I'm trying to say that to yourself with God's help, that I am choosing what I want most over what I want now. That's the whole idea of the sermon series. We are choosing what we want most over what we want now. No more of this short-term stuff. We are not doing that. We are choosing what we want most and what we want to see happen in our lives more than what we want now in the flesh. More of what we want in the future, what our generations down the road look like. We want to see that. We want to see and we want to do what we want most over what we want now. Because of who I am, I'm not trying to become something different. I'm training to become more of what God says I already am. Just like you guys, friends. You were training to be more of who God says you are. You're not trying anymore. We're going to be the best version of ourselves because we're training to be who God has called us to be. And maybe you're here today and you're just, you're just questioning, how am I ever going to improve? You know, we've all got areas in our lives that we want to improve on. We're all humans. We all want to try to make the best of our lives and make the best of our circumstances around us. And we want to be the best that we can be because God has called us to excellence and give Him honor in all that we do. That's our goal. That's our belief as Christians and followers of Christ. We want to be the best that we can be and to be the best creation that God has created us to be in Him for him, through him, to do his work. You know, for me in my own life, I'm just going to be really honest with you. That looks like being the husband that he's called me to be. To love my wife like he's loved me. To care for and honor my wife with everything that's within me. To put her life before my own just as Christ put his life up for the church. He loved the church. He gave his life up for the church. And I will do the same. That was like being the godly, intentional dad to my kids that he's called me to be. It's loving my kids and being patient with them. Just like Christ has been patient with me for all of the years I've screwed up. He has been patient with me, so I'm going to be patient with my kids and their mistakes. If I'm believing in our value, our core value, one of our five core values at Rich Point of Think Legacy, I'm going to strive to leave a legacy that shows that my life was so centered around Jesus, around loving Jesus, loving his people, giving everything that I had every minute of the day to do the work that he's called me to do. I want my children, their children, and their children's children to know that everything that dad or granddad or great-granddad did was to glorify the king and that everything else fell in line behind Jesus. Less of me, more of God. Let's leave a legacy. Maybe Maybe you don't have kids this morning. You don't have to leave a legacy to your kids, but you can leave a legacy to someone else's kids or legacy to your grandkids or, or not your grandkids, but 
nieces, nephews, whatever that looks like in your life, you have someone that you can leave a legacy for. You might not even know who that person is right now, which is the cool thing, because maybe your works that you're doing right now will reach people that you don't even know. You all, every single person on this earth has the ability to leave a legacy behind that is glorifying and uplifting for the king and not of this world. Every single person, you do not have to be a parent. You do not have to be a husband or a wife. It does not matter. Every person who is breathing that God has called and put breath in, you have the opportunity to leave a legacy that is so centered around Jesus that people can look back on you after you've departed and your time on the earth is done, that they can look back and they can say, man, everything else fell in line behind Jesus. That's what we should want. Jesus was everything and everything else fell in line behind him. And it's not because of anything that I did because my, like Clayton said, my willpower is nothing. Your willpower is nothing. It's because of God's power. It's God's power in us. We have a relationship with Jesus and God has called us to do things in his name and by his power, we are equipped to achieve the goals that we could not do on our own. We are the ones who are equipped through Jesus and his power. Not our own power, but his power. His power says that you can leave a legacy that shows off me in my glory for generations to come. Let's be followers of Christ who are in training. No more of this trying stuff. We are training to be more of who God says we can be. We're going to stop trying so we can finally have success in what God has called us to do this morning. Will you pray with me? Father God, I love you. I'm so thankful for you this morning and your sweet spirit. I'm thankful that even in the midst of my failures and my mistakes that you didn't cast me out and you said that I could still be a child and that I could do your work for you, God. What an honor and a privilege it is day in and day out to do your work, God. Jesus, we're so thankful that you sent your son Jesus, we're so thankful that you were on the cross and that you died a death that we all deserved and you showed us mercy and grace, what the epitome of that was and the picture of perfection that bore our penalty and that was on the cross for us. Jesus, I'm praying so hard right now that, and I'm believing and I'm expecting, God, that people in this room, they may watch online in the future, or maybe they'll be in the second service as well, that they are going to have their lives changed because they are going to tell themselves that they can stop trying and they can start training because of you to be more who they've called to be in your name. It's all for you, Jesus, and it's always been for you. We are never going to be finished doing our work for you, and we are never going to be content. No more trying and no more trying under our own willpower. It's all for you, God. It's through your power. You're empowering us to be more like you day in and day out. And we are expecting and we are believing this morning that you are changing lives and you are restoring relationships. It's this It's in your name I pray. Amen. Listen, guys, the worship team is going to do another song real quick. And if you have anything that you want to lay down at the altar, it's open. You can stay in your seat. It's completely fine as well. If you're online... If you have a prayer request, you can shoot us a message. You can be on our Facebook. You can do it if you're on church online.
you can reach out to us on there and someone will pray with you. I guarantee you that. Whatever you have, if you need to lay it down, if you just want to pray, if you just want to take some time to thank God for everything he's done in your life up to this point and what he's going to continue to do in the future, do that now. It's never not a good time to thank Jesus. It's never not a good time to thank Jesus for what he's done. As we get ready to sing this song, let's just take a moment. I'll pray with you if you want me to. Pastor Clayton will be available. And let's just take a moment to thank God and just stay in his presence for just a few minutes longer this morning as we get ready to sing.